This is a HeadGum Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature-regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not, like, getting too hot or too cold or whatever. You know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it, like, doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But More than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful, and it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code FAKETHENATION at the checkout, and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today. You'll get 40% off. Use the promo code FAKETHENATION. Go to trymiracle.com slash FAKETHENATION. And Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fakethenation and use the code fakethenation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fakethenation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 277. Hello, hello. This is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we hop on our private jets to the Glasgow Climate Summit. I'm your host, Nagin Farsad, and I'm happy to report that I voted today in the NYC mayoral elections, uh, which is a little bit of a virtue signaling brag that I participate in democracy. But it also means we're taping on a little earlier than normal on a Tuesday afternoon, so keep that in mind. Today, we're going to talk about where we are in the Glasgow Summit and on climate change in general, and we're all pre-stressed out about that conversation. But don't worry, we're going to keep it light. We'll also talk about the ever-evolving use of language with words like POC or BIPOC or Latinx or just the bevy of words. And finally, we'll stick our hands in the culture grab bag to see uh, what does Let's Go Brandon mean and whether or not you would order from an app that sells restaurant leftovers. I am so excited by today's panel. Um, So joining us, actually, Pete, have you been on this show before? I've just been on many radio things with you. Uh, I've been on your show 14 times. This, so you've been on the show 14 made up yes. times. Yes. And no, at, uh, least, at least I think twice, but it's been several like, years. Over years. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and but I'm also, to be I've, back. I've seen this man do stand up and he's absolutely hilarious. I've seen him uh, just uh, do 
totally kill on like shows like Bill Maher. The the what is that show that he does on HBO? <laughs> I'm making it real sound time. like it's that's right. Real, real time. time. Yeah. I've seen. I mean, I have just seen this man just be so fantastic as a comedian and commentator. He has a daily podcast called Stand Up with T- Pete Dominic that you should absolutely subscribe to. It is the one and only Pete Dominic. Hey, Pete. Yay, so happy to be back, Nagin. Thank you. Oh my god, so happy to have you back. It's like uh it's it's your fourteenth appearance uh going on your third. Uh this week, uh <laughs> I am also joined by for the very first time, and oh my god, I'm so excited because I've been listening to his podcast and I love it so much. He's a senior producer at Pineapple Street Studios. He's also co-host of the wonderful podcast The Back Issue, which you should also immediately subscribe to because I've been listening to episodes and having been having such a good time. Folks, it's Josh Gwynn. Hey, Josh. Hey, hey, hey. How you doing? I'm so good. And before we get into the show, I just want to remind people that this week on Patreon, you can hear me, Ophira Eisberg, and Andrew Heaton talk about the future of work. Is the future of work about working less or not at all? What is it about? Plus, we have a crazy tangent about inconsistent morals that was really fun. Uh, So check out the bonus episode and you can support Fake the Nation for as little as $1 a month on our Patreon. And for as little as $4, you know, which which is the cost of uh, like a, a, a cheddar biscuit, uh, from one of the uh, bakeries around the corner from me, which is maybe an overpriced cheddar biscuit. I'll just go ahead and say that as well. Um, for the price of that cheddar biscuit, you can get uh, bonus content, uh, bonus episodes of the show. Uh, so we have a lot of ways you can support. Go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. All right, let's get into it with topic number one. So delegates from around the world are meeting for the 26th time in Glasgow to endlessly, not in Glasgow for 26 times. They've done it all over the world. For the 26th time, they're meeting about climate change. Interestingly, I didn't realize that they had been met so many times. It actually started in 1992 when then uh, George Bush Sr., Uh, easily adopted the commitments of the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, but it turned out that those commitments were super vague and didn't have actually like any earmarks like on on emissions or whatever. So it was just kind of like committing to nothing much. But we committed. Uh, And then there was was a bunch of other... you know, there's the Kyoto Protocol, you know, obviously uh, the Paris Climate Accord. So many accords have happened. So many meetings have happened. We're doing it again. Pete, where does it feel like we are with these international folks gathering and talking? It feels like we are way behind, Niggy. And I've been covering this issue both kind of as a journalist, as a comedian and as an activist. This is an issue that I, I, I care deeply about because my kids tell me they want to have kids. Ooh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what <are> you, what? <laughs> you know what? Imagine why don't that. I kick it back to you and you tell me what to say to them? <laughs> no, I mean, it's so funny because I think about, I, I, I started set using my kid as an excuse for people to care, like a lot in conversation and re- yeah. in the, in, since she's been alive. Um, and I realized though, I, I didn't need to have a kid for to understand climate change. Like people, children exist. Like just the fact that children exist, it do, they don't have to be yours. That actually, I disagree. It matters whether or not you care about other people's kids. Oh, okay, right. I mean, in general, I'm into, like, all kids 
survive. Uh, okay. Pro kids. Yeah, yeah. I meant to like, kid, yeah. like, I don't love kids, but I want all of them to survive. Like, for example, I, it's like this. I'm not a racist or a sexist. I like some women and some people of color. It's the same thing with some kids. Like, I like my own kids. I like the ones that I know. Like, I like some other kids. But isn't that really, that really inherently is the problem, not only with our society, certainly in America, but with the world when it comes to climate. I mean, this is such an important issue because we are all dealing with it. And, of course, the people who are committing the problem, who are mostly responsible to the issue aren't suffering the worst. So it's the wealthy countries, the countries that are burning the most stuff, most consumption, most emissions. And it's the more uh, underdeveloped countries, poorer nations that are suffering the biggest habitat loss, the biggest, you know, uh, sea rise in in some of these smaller island countries, especially. And so we are responsible, really just a several few countries are mostly responsible and we have to do a lot better. But like you said, there it's non listen, as long as there's money in the ground to pull out, there mm. are going to be Titans who are going to want to do it. And so the world has to band together against the fossil fuel industry. And that's what we're trying to do. You know, so we read a couple of pieces about this um, to, to to prepare for this. One of the pieces we read was by Justin Gillis in the New York Times, this little publication, maybe you've heard of it. And he wrote, leaders go to these conferences and make pledges because they are embarrassed not to. Um, and right. so I'm wondering, Josh, like, how much do you think embarrassment is <laughs> like a factor in international relations? Not as much as it should be. <laughs> I feel like if if it were more, if it if it were as successful as I think this writer says that it is, we would have had a little bit more movement on it. I just feel like with this this issue, like it, it's really hard for me to feel anything optimistic about it because I feel like we're in the middle of a pandemic. People can't afford childcare. People can't afford housing, and these are like really tangible things that people are faced with. And that's not to say that like climate change isn't tangible, but like, as Pete said, it's tangible to those without power <laughs> right now, um, as it gets worse and worse and that sort of thing. And so like, I, I feel like that, I just feel like it's really hard for me to imagine things are going to change in, given the political system as it's set up right now. Like I'm supposed to think that like Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema are going to go <laughs> into <laughs> the Congress and yeah. like want to do something right, on climate right, change. Right, like right. I don't believe I, that. Yeah. yeah, Josh. Yeah, I mean, he, he highlights the, the, the issue is money. And Joe Manchin is directly profiting from coal, which is one right. of the dirtiest uh, fuel. But the, the, the answer is also money. And so the what is actually working is and has been for a, a few years underway is this divestment movement. And if people don't know about it, 350.org, Bill McKibben and and Greta Thunberg is a, is a huge act. Divest, divesting. By the way, huge... I really love how you put some stank on Thunberg Thank right you there. Thank you for <laughs> noticing. Would you like to hear it again? Yeah, let's hear it. Tun- I need complete silence. Mm. Here we go. Thunberg. <laughs> I feel like I just got punched in the face by Sweden when you said that. Okay. <laughs> so, so what is what is the this divestment uh, program? So that's about that's about major endowments, investments like portfolios, like of universities and of pension funds taking out all of their investments from fossil fuel industry. So if you know, a teacher's union has a, a portfolio of investments for their retirement pension. They no longer are supporting 
the the, the fossil fuel companies within that. This ha- this actually worked. Uh, it was effective in the apartheid movement against you know yes. in South Africa. Even though Ronald Reagan was pissed about it, it worked. And so that's kind of a good point. Like even if world leaders are are somehow bought into it ideologically or you know financially, doesn't matter because we are divesting. So divest your own personal portfolio if you have any money extra that you're investing, and and more importantly support you know or don't support organizations. Harvard University just announced their divestment uh, from fossil fuels. Stanford had done it last year. So big, rich universities, organizations, and so on. That's working. And I working. feel like, I did. is it just me or was there like the Rockefeller Foundation or something? Yes, that's right. Like engaged yep. with it. So people that have dealt with money, that have made money, 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 have also uh, gone into, into divestment. And I think what's hopeful about that, Josh, just to bring up your spirits a little bit because you were a little <laughs> down. Yeah, like, yeah. Just to bring up your spirits a little bit. I think the the great thing about this divestment movement is that we don't need to wait for countries. This is happening right. on the level of sm- of organizations where you might be a student at a college and you can start the divestment movement there, right? And so that's right. awesome. And here's another thing I'm going to say that's a little bit hopeful is that Norway right now is at the point where 60% of new cars sold are electric. California right, right now is at the point where any new house that's built has to have solar panels panels. I'm from California. Every time I go back to California, I see more and more solar panels dotting the Same. landscape, right? And so mm-hmm. th- these these are things that are happening at a local level and lo- and, and I mean lo- I mean Norway is like smaller than California. So very local, <laughs> right? Um and and they and, and and they're really happening. And also, when something like that is happening in California or you know in, in New York or whatever, it becomes a bellwether. Other country, it becomes an example. Other countries, states want to follow. Other countries want to follow. Um, and so, I think we yes, we want obviously governments to do shit, but it's not all about huge governments doing doing shit and making but, us frustrated. Yeah, but they have to lead, they have to lead and people have to pressure yes. them. I, I think jo- Josh seems really listless over this. Uh, your listeners should know that he actually was burning a pile of charcoal the whole time they gave <laughs> He really doesn't seem to be that. He's he's really uh, pes- so pessimistic in fact. He uh he killed a uh, uh, forehead of cattle and yeah. uh, drank a methane this right on this right yeah. on the Zoom. He was holding it right in front of us. <laughs> Can I tell you? Um, let, let's end on this question because this is something that comes up a lot, and I get frustrated about it. And I wonder what your take is. Again, governments have to do their fucking job, and they're in Glasgow, right. and they better fucking do their job. Side note: China and um, Russia are no-shows, so that's not fun. <laughs> but, but, but India has promised net zero by 2070. So, hey, you know what I mean? We're doing things. We're doing some things. We're, we're making some movements. Let's talk a little bit about personal responsibility. This is such a, I feel like every time I mention it, people immediately like rain down on me like you idiot it's not about personal responsibility it's what but it's about what big governmental organizations can do what is there some personal responsibility like are where are we on the are you guys using cloth napkin scale well i i gotta just start because i've been a militant on this my the last 20 years since i bought a home i was the first home in my neighborhood to have solar panels first home uh, owner to have an electric car 
I make my daughters bring plastic bags back into stores. I pressure cash re- uh, cashiers not to give plastic bags out. It's never worked. They find me appalling and deeply offensive. <laughs> but I, uh, I, I, you know, the only thing I really don't do is I, you know, I'm certainly not, you know, personally is uh, is not eat meat. I've cut way down on eating animals, but that's a huge, huge thing. But I have a garden. I have everything is about sustainability in my house and has been for a long time. I give talks on this. This is a huge massively important issue for me in the end it's really more psychological than anything else it makes me feel good that i'm role modeling this behavior my daughters known you know have seen me plug in my car since they were little they see the solar panels they know that the energy that we produce is is mostly clean and so it's kind of a like lead by example for my neighborhood for my kids but in terms in in support it in in every way I can. But I I'm crazy, Nagin, Josh. I'm nuts it. about it. Like I'm annoying, annoying about I it. I love that, Josh. Where are you? And what? How how good do you want to get? I feel like I, I mean I want to get as as good as I can. Like it, it's a really important issue to me, and it's really it's something that I think about a lot. And I think that like the the pessimism I feel around like bigger institutions. Like I usually rely. In 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 light of that pessimism, I think like my mind is like, okay, what 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 can we do to um, make things better, like ourselves? Like, what what how can we reduce harm, like personally in our in our communities and that sort of thing? That just, if I'm being honest, feels like an abysmally short um, answer to um, the power that these huge organizations have. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. when I stack them side by side it, it's really difficult for me to to think of them as being equal yeah no said, I, I think mm-hmm. I, I do try to I, I think it's really important to like you know take the steps that you can personally and like in your community to 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 become as sustainable as possible you know God i i, I exactly change. that's i mean uh, that that's a very nice way of saying nagin it should be major organizations <laughs> um, and i and 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 you're you're totally right but i also like important. i exactly. get very frustrated Right. Exactly. No, exactly. It doesn't mean the other part isn't important. And that's so and and and, and thank you for saying that. But because I, I get really frustrated with friends that are just mm. like out there like I'm going to go to a march in Greta Thunberg and I'm going <laughs> to say your name with some Swedish tank Thunberg. on it. But, like, <laughs> but like but they don't but they don't engage in any of the personal acts that I think of as living in the a world that you live like, in. Exactly. You know, <laughs> environmentally friendly behavior. And it reminds me of and I'm always reminded of that one. One onion um, headline that was like, how bad for the environment can throwing away one plastic bottle be? 30 million people wonder, right? <laughs> and that's literally what's happening. So if you listen to the show, I always talk about this. Absolutely, but anyway, stop driving, stop Absolutely. shopping online, stop using plastic, stop, just stop, stop, stop. Uh, when, you know, like when you can't be reasonable and it, and it could be reasonable. It doesn't have, you don't have to be like Buy, a lunatic used- about it. Buy used clothes. Buy used clothes, yeah. It's yeah. a big one. Which, my, which is, uh, I'm really yeah. excited. Both both my girls love thrifting, and, and it's a super sustainable thing. So, yeah. 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 No, yeah. And that's since really I don't go anywhere one. anymore, I don't even need to buy clothes. So. Okay. <laughs> All right, folks, let me know where you're at with this. Are you feeling a little hopeful? I hope you're feeling a little hopeful. I, I do want to leave this segment with people feeling a little hopeful. Um, and uh, we're going to take a quick break to learn about our wonderful sponsors that keep the lights on here at Fake the Nation. And when we come back, we'll just continue talking. 
This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, wow. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code headgum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We are back, and we're ready for topic number two. So, we read a piece in the New York Times called uh, BIPOC or POC, Equity or Equality, The Debate Over Language on the Left by Amy Harmon. It's a sort of roundup of where we are on language, but beyond reading that piece, we've actually been living in America, and we've been witnessing the ginned-up culture wars. So language is on everyone's mind and in everyone's mouth. Uh, so, Harmon's main claim is that for those pushing for changes in society on race and other issues, words matter, but they can also muddle, right? So I'm just wondering from both of you, where are we? Are these words mattering or muddling? Where are you on the spectrum, Josh? Um, I feel like both. Like, the <laughs> like words are, are power, <laughs> right? Like, so it depends on how you're using them. Um I, the thing that really bothers me about this debate, I think, is that it usually gets framed as like, these progressives on the left, BIPOC, implicit bias, these new words. And it's like, we're, we watched the word woke turn from something that was like empowering and specific into like an epithet. Like we're watching critical mm -hmm. race theory get redefined in real time in a way that feels very top down to me. Um, and so then it, it, then the debate becomes for me personally it's like okay people are using language in order to advance political causes but what is the intent in 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 those causes are you trying to include people or are you trying to exclude people are you trying to um get to a cl closer to a truth whether it's a personal truth or like a historical 
uh, truth or are you trying to cover it up? And those feel like two different political projects that get like really flattened in this com- the way that the, that people compare the way that language is used on the left and the right, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I um, I just want to cu- point out a couple of these terms to, to kind of make this a little bit more concrete for listeners. So, for example, um, Latinx is meant to be a more inclusive and gendered way of referring to what we used to say Latino or what a lot of people still say Latino again. And I don't, you know, like, I don't know. And I, I have a lot of Latino friends or I have a lot of Latinx friends who say Latino and still don't say Latinx. I mean, you know, this is the this is the thing I think that that becomes that becomes part of the debate is like when did these words happen and are we definitely supposed to use them or does it matter? Like for example, BIPOC. Like it, you, I, the, BIPOC was one that snuck to, snuck up on me. And me too. I look. I mean, it's interesting because some a lot of these words like equity instead of equality and stuff like we're we're a part of i went to grad school for african-american studies who didn't okay and that that some of these words were just in there from grad school and they did not enter the mainstream when i was in grad school right. they were just like right, grad right. school speak they were in the paper in in our you know academic texts and those are just they're all the words that we used and and I remember when I felt like a lot of those words started coming into a lot of this mainstream dialogue, I was just totally shocked. Um, but BIPOC, for example, was one that wasn't around when I was in grad school. And that's supposed to be black indigenous people of color to emphasize that um, black and indigenous people have ex- experienced a different type of injustice than just your, I guess, other people of color uh, if I, I might, I have that wrong. No, but yeah. even so, the, the word comma came, people of color, <laughs> yeah. comma people of color, right? And um, and 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 the word is now even in Merriam-Webster, but a number of ling- linguists said that they don't even know where it came from. Like they can't find the mm. origin of it. So then you're sort of like, who do I ask? Who made it? What's happening? Well, you know. I and think... so, do, do Pete, where where do you think we are? I think the answer to who like do you that. ask is obviously hello, a white. <laughs> as a white we decide in the end uh-huh. because yeah. there aren't any words that can hurt us um mm. i think that mm. i i actually do have a lot to say about this but i think just a couple jokes like my dad like i think it's interesting to talk to an older person but especially yeah. an older white person who who if they're trying to do right even a little they're they're at least listening about what words you know. I remember correcting my dad on Oriental, and and what he said to me was like, "Listen, I'll call anybody, whatever they want to call. Just send me the memo, and as long as I get to, I can always use asshole because he wants to be able to call everybody <laughs> and anybody an asshole." And I was like, "Yeah, that's not that has nothing to do with gender or anything. Anybody, everybody has." A, but the point was like he wants to try to say the right thing, but the discussion we're having here is what is the right thing, even amongst indigenous people themselves even amongst trans people what are what is language and, and so on so it's like i would say um i think that words matter as a comedian also i think words matter a lot and i did some work for a while in in domestic abuse issues and that's where i learned the most about this which was it starts with verbal abuse 
Um, and if you can dehumanize a person, then you can physically abuse a person. And so as much as I, you want to sit there and say words shouldn't matter and free speech and so on, they do matter. They do tremendous, tremendous damage. And I think the question is, hey, it's just it's just hard to keep up with what, you know, out of respect, people might want to be referred to. And, you know, Latinx or or uh, Latino or Hispanic white people would just would. Why can't we just call everybody Mexicans? Apparently, there are people from <laughs> Peru and Spain and Cuba. Why can't we just all right. call you like that's what why can't you understand what the whites need? Oh, I mean, OK, and, and it's um, I it's interesting because. One thing that I find weird is that um, people get real. I, okay, so I'm 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 Iranian, uh, and you know, uh, Josh, you're black. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't mean to out you mm-hmm. uh, every but day. <laughs> I I just noticed. <laughs> um, and do you? I guess my main concern is that. Uh, Sometimes we're some of the terms get so. I guess my oh no. Let me let me clean up how I'm saying this. I don't even know what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, uh, how upset do you get when people use I don't know POC instead of BIPOC or I don't know. I mean, it, it, I, where where I, do you I land do on the black African American? Like what? Like, yeah, it's like yeah. Um, I think that like. I mean, I don't get upset. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, okay, so let's take the work, the the acronym BIPOC. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. I, I understand the intent. Like, I understand singling out the Black experience and the Indigenous experience um, in order to, like, signal it as, as different. Um, but there's BIPOC. I always just say black American, like that's how I identify, but like the, um, the, because the idea of BIPOC or people of color, and I've never really verbalized this, but it's like, the thing that makes me uncomfortable about it is that they both default whiteness in a way that makes me Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Like we don't go around calling people like people of non-color, like, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Right, right, Um, right, right, right. (laughs) <laughs> and That's so and so I I like I like I I think that there's something there's something aspirational about the word like there's like a like in in the word it feels like there's a hope for coalition building there's hope for like a solidarity between different communities um i don't know whether that's been realized yet um or like whether that's like um something that actually exists i have no problem calling myself black american or calling someone whatever they identify as um and i i don't i think that this is kind of just like one of those other debates where it's like everyone just assumes that people um that are interested in these these words or that use these words are just hypersensitive and it 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 really kind of is annoying to me i just don't understand what's so bad about trying to be better with your language once you know better also i think the thing, the the debate assumes that people are really um yeah, that they're really sensitive when I actually am generally confronted with people who are not that sensitive about it. Right. They're just like, yeah, whatever. You can say Latinx to me or you can say Latino. Like if I said the word microaggressions to my parents, they would be like, 
I, what what is that like I right. like <laughs> right, I was right. worried about aggression aggressions you know like right. I wouldn't say that right. that's like the mark of someone who is sensitive <laughs> I, I think that like um I just think it's 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 a it's one of these debates that's kind of like you back people into to corners into being hypersensitive over words that like are really just attempts at at making spaces more inclusive for more people and that's not something that's like an like ends tomorrow that's something that's going to continue continue the more and more right, that we live right well, right. can I just can I just say can I just mm-hmm. what what Josh just said about microaggressions like I just want to be clear with how I hear that like I understand what I think what Josh meant by it but I feel like microaggressions I think anybody can deal with those I have those with my wife, she certainly has them with me, but it's more like, I feel like it's an important word to describe the way that someone is treating you, making you feel, even if it's nonverbal, you feel that someone is being a certain way to you because you are black female. Absolutely. I think, and they're absolutely true. (laughs) They're absolutely exist. Like they are things that people, people, and that's why I think those words matter. What I'm, what I'm just saying is just that, Language isn't something that we're going to arrive at. It's a journey and it's not something that's going to be completed. And so like, we're going to continue to try on these words and try on these different ways of explaining things in order to make people feel more included. And if, if that, I don't understand what's bad about that. Right. It's asymptotic. We'll never reach the, you know, we'll just a- approach it, but it, 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 there's infinite, it kind of goes on into exactly. infinity. Yeah. Speaking of, um, speaking of words, what the hell was that? The, ge- <laughs> the, the, the asymptote and geometry. i'm sorry did you guys not take calculus oh that's weird um no wait but pete i do have a question for you which is that basically one one thing that i uh saw was a poll that found that for example more than twice as many white Democrats say felt, say they felt very favorably toward the word BIPOC as Americans who identify as any of the non-white racial categories it encompasses. So weirdly, it is white people that, according to this one poll, are driving the use of some of these words, which I think yeah, is well, really I think hilarious. I think it. I think it's a. It is hilarious, but it's also I think a well-meaning thing. It's. It's white folks wanting to be an ally, wanting to do the right thing and and not realizing that while language is super important, actions often speak louder than than anything else. And so I want to call you whatever you want to be called. And if that's the new word, we're going to use it. We're going to say it. But the idea that I would ever get into an argument with someone that you know identifies as a is a weird thing. Like where I'm calling, you're going to be called African-American. I'd, I'd prefer if you call me black. Listen. I'm trying to keep up. Right. I want you know, do like it's like it's not up to the whites, but at the same time, it's, right. it is a well-intentioned, hopefully, that we're trying to uh, understand, be an ally, be empathic, and 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 do what is hopefully the right thing. But at the same time, realizing that there's a lot more to it than just words. And and is there a point at which the, this is something that came up a lot in this piece we read? That all of this language, this focus on language is actually a distraction from doing any actual work on policy. Yeah, I think that a lot of times it's used as like a shield, especially by like white liberals. (laughs) I feel like last year, like especially... Um, me and a lot of my friends, you know, talked to, there was like this like overnight thing where everyone was like, oh, racism exists. And then they, because (laughs) they, 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 
had access to this language, they used it as a way to disguise themselves as like, you know, I'm one of the good ones. I understand what you're going through. <laughs> I'm going to a book club. And like, th- then nothing changed, you know? Um, so like, I'm, I think a perfect example of, to illustrate what Josh is saying is like, I'm one of those white liberals who says, the, for example, like I'm, f- I'm for all kinds of important policies that I think affect people of color more, more you know, uh, a lot more from the the drug war to affirmative action. Like I'm for interracial marriage, of course, but I don't want any black people in my neighborhood. Oh my God. <laughs> like, you know, like I'm right. for like I, I I'm for Joe Biden, but not for my daughter dating a black man. Right, and I think I think what th- that therein lies the difference between. Like saying you're not a racist right. and oh, I don't have a racist bone in my body and being what I think we should do is be an anti-racist, which anti-racism is more about actually Actual, doing yeah, things yeah. And, cre- and doing everything you can to use your network, to mentor, to create opportunities, to open doors, to advocate for, to I think what Josh touched on, too, you I mean, is really what Dr. Martin Luther King said about you know, the real the, the, I'm paraphrasing, of course, because I can never quote the guy or anybody. But, the, you know, the real danger is the the moderate liberal, not the Klan member. Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah, quiet. Yeah. It's it's the person who doesn't speak up at the Board of Education meeting, much less go when we're talking, you know, these crazy people in my town. And so I, I think that being an anti-racist is is to be on the side of right and on, on on the side of justice, not to just say, oh, I, I support this or that. You actually actually have to actively do things uh, for your community and for your network to help, you know, create opportunities. By the way, I want to point out that uh, Pete Dominic not only does an excellent <laughs> Swedish accent, he does an excellent moderate liberal accent. Because <laughs> you it. had us going for a second there. <laughs> um, folks, let me know where you stand. Um, oh, I did want to say before I tell people to let me know where they stand, is uh, one of the things that I feel like is that I see a lot with the kind of like moderate liberal that you're talking about is like land use recognitions. You know, I don't know if you've been to events where they do land use recognition or whatever. And it's like, okay, that's cool. Um, But I'm not sure. It almost feels like, okay, we can say this thing uh, where that this land used to belong to this particular tribe or whatever. And we're just, you know, and now we're using it. Uh, And then it kind of like, means we don't have to do any meaningful work after that like it does do it does give you that feeling or like you know you can't criticize this group they did a land use recognition acknowledgement uh, a land acknowledgement i I think is what they're called i feel like that's a a, a, a absolutely true but a more obscure example and the better example is is the most obvious example that happens all over and it's schools it's we are such we are so anti-racist and we're so for opportunity but when it comes to schools we realize the the lack of balance and the inequities that lie in education because it's attached to property value. And yet we don't do anything about that to create, you know, or not to mention we're not like the idea that we're not all for universal pre-K, which would would change, be a game changer for anybody living in the lower end of the income scale, which obviously disproportionately affects black and brown folks in this country. So it's, there's so many policies that you really could be advocating for in your own community. They might even cost you a little bit more money in your taxes, which would be awesome for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the other thing I want to also, I really wish we would do more marketing 
towards rich people about how things would be more awesome for them if they spent a little bit money on on more taxes like hey don't are you hey are you tired of wildfires inching up on your backyard spend a little money on taxes let's lock them all into a timeshare change a timeshare um (laughs) presentation where they they have to learn about like like uh gerrymandering and school redistricting Totally. Well, they 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 know about gerrymandering school. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're the ones they're <laughs> advocating. They're they're the ones drawing the districts. Exactly. Unfortunately, you know, to 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 lock in the the the, the politicians who are going to give them the tax policies, especially that that they need. But I I just, there's so much that can be done and that needs to be done. And and I just love that Josh made that point because it really is on the the white liberal or you know I, I should find that MLK quote about the the moderate, if you will. Um, folks, let me know where you th- where you think we are on the language thing. Are you sensitive about it, or do you think like is it just not something that that uh, I don't know uh, upsets you or enters into your um, frame of mind? So let me know on all the social media that none of us should be on. Let us move on to topic number three. Let's dip into the cultural grab bag. I have a few items here I want to go over with you both. Do you know what the phrase let's go Brandon means? Yes, unfortunately. (laughs) Okay, Josh, can you tell the listeners? Because I didn't know until I just saw it uh, in a a piece. And I was like, what? My understanding was that it was like a NASCAR. It originated with like the NASCAR community. Yeah, like a NASCAR rally. And and, um, someone won one and they there were people talking behind them and they couldn't make out what they were saying and they thought they were saying let's go brandon but they were actually saying fuck joe biden right there was like a whole um there was a whole uh thing of um of chanting and they and they thought it was uh they thought it was let's go brandon but it turns out they were actually chanting fuck now it's a secret code that people use to to say fuck joe biden and uh pilot um used it on the southwest flight which that's right i need to know if he said it at the beginning of the flight or the end that's a great question. Actually, I don't know the answer to that. But my, I do. So, Pete, with this Southwest, yep. and that's how I heard about it, is because it yep. got to the point. It's on T-shirts. Right. Governor Greg Abbott of Texas used the phrase on Twitter. Yeah. Like people are using it all like over on, the place in Congress, yep. which is so yep. gross. I mean, it's very. It's all. It's like. I mean, obviously, we said a lot of shitty things about Trump, but Biden is a different type of person. I think even Republicans recognize he's a different type of person. So just being like that gross to him, I think, is gross. Anyway, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I just, but, I, so my, I, I, Pete, for, my question for you is on the um, the Southwest pilot dude, what yeah. do you think should happen? This guy said it. I do think it was at the beginning, if I remember reading that correctly. It, that he said it at the beginning, f- that he said, let's go, Brandon, which obviously means fuck Joe Biden. So he's sort of announcing his political affiliations at the start yep. of a flight. What <laughs> is that? What you, it's weird. It's just, it's weird. But it's also sort of like starting a flight with like, I hate quesadillas. Or I mean, it's uh, that's also weird. Like, it's just weird to start a flight that way. So, Pete, what do you think should happen to this pilot? Because this was the, the the controversy that sort of erupted this week. Well, I, I mean, I could be convinced of other things, I suppose, but he should be suspended and disciplined and made an example of so that, you know, the pilot's job is to sit there while the robot flies the plane. 
I mean, they get a little bit too much glory at this point, I think. <laughs> but, but they, you know, and they get on the PA and they think they've got all this power because they do because they're the captain of the plane. And I think that if they, if you said something like screw black people or I hate women or gay people should be whatever, you know, against a, a class of people, you're fired. You're done. You don't get right. to work again. But saying I hate the president uh, or F the president is it's it's a little it's a little different, I think. And I think this guy should be made an example of. I think he should be able to you know keep his job. But uh, I also think it's the the only funny thing that Trumpers have come up with in in like eight years. Like, it's kind of funny. That's see, and, my point is that it doesn't even slap. Like, I remember when. When Trump was president, the and bar is we so had, low. We had like YG and Nipsey Hussle come up with like bops, like yeah. fuck Donald Trump. Like yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, not yeah, good. Yeah. Go back to the drawing board. It's not like I, <laughs> if you're gonna come up with a, a dog whistle and it's let's go Brandon. Help! Right, no, but fair, right. fair, fair enough. That's a fine and accurate point. And let's be clear: no one came up with it. It's not like right. like you mentioned actual artists that wrote things right. and, and, and recorded them. Yeah. This was an accident. Yeah, that yeah, was a yeah, misunderstanding. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, but I love that. Yeah. I love that your criticism is like, is like art criticism, right? <laughs> <laughs> that you're essentially like a reviewer. I have a friend that's um, like, of, we always talk memes. about like whether things are problematic and stuff. It's like, first, can we talk about whether it's good? Like that's yeah, not even memorable. Yeah. yeah. No, and you're absolutely right. It feels, and it, and it feels easily like, it, three months from now, you would not even remember what that was exactly. because it's so nothing. It feels so nothing. I also do want to say, I think Brandon is a super white name. Am I right? <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, do we know right. any? Yeah, no. Any I mean, I don't know. Um, oh. All right, let us move on to another moment in uh, culture this week. There's an app that lets you buy leftovers from restaurants. It's called Too Good To Go. And it's basically, they have leftovers. You, you, uh, restaurants, cafes, bakers, whatever. Um, and then you kind of click on what time you'll, you'd go to their establishment, like near the end of the day and get whatever a leftover thing that they have. And the, the most popular one, or like basically the one that, you know, is used the most is like a surprise bag. That's like kind of an option. So, for example, if you're going to a bakery, you click on surprise bag. I'm going to pick it up at 5 p.m. and this, and it, you'll just get whatever random scones and shit you know that they had left over from that day. And it's a fraction of the cost that would be to get those things um, full price. What do you think of this app? Would you use it? Absolutely, I'd use it. Yeah. Um, I didn't like in the write up that it said that. The waiters didn't know that they were a part of it. I feel like they should fix that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But like, if I were trying out a new restaurant or one that I've never been to before, like, I'd absolutely get like a surprise prefix box and t- taste it out and see what was going on. I don't think that there's anything weird about it, Pete. Yeah, uh, to our earlier conversation about climate and sustainability, that's I mean, that's the most important answer here, which is why would we be wasting exactly. food? Why is anybody, especially from a restaurant, like, would I be for it? Like. How is anybody against it? Like, yes, I hate cooking. I hate preparing food. I hate cleaning up. Bring me the food and other and also all that food, you know, that it comes in containers and so on. So like the idea that we're throwing out food is a bizarre 
notion, especially if it was prepared by someone who was, you know, skilled versus me. Like, I understand why people would throw away the leftovers from something I made, but I don't think I qualify. <laughs> um, okay. I know. I like it, too. I mean, it, it, it makes total sense. It's, it's actually one of the rare. I, I, I mostly hate everything about the Internet, except these moments where there is an actual efficiency that is... Most of the stuff that the, the internet does is like uh, adds, you know, carbon to the air, <laughs> right. right? Like it's like you know, Uber and Lyft and whatever, or like poor employment practices, no health insurance, and it adds idling cars into that that just pollute our skies. Um, you know, all of the services uh, that you can get, all of the online shopping, all of that stuff. Most of the st- services provided by the yeah. internet, I think, are 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 net negative um this though seems like an actually decent and efficient way of like making sure food goes to good use for now for now well, <laughs> my, daughter, my daughter used uber eats to get french fries from mcdonald's just one item oh, which i God. lectured her about how yeah. that was a ridiculous, ridiculous use of delivery if you're gonna have a deliver food delivery you have to have a meal delivered for at least you know a few people yeah but one item yeah and i i just i i, I had to put a cigarette well, I, out I on hope, her yeah i hope you uh disowned oh, her <laughs> yeah you, josh no, heard cigarette it. On her. That's, there it is. that's reasonable okay. yes sometimes you gotta sometimes you gotta teach them josh has Keep reminding himself that Pete is a is a comedian. <laughs> no, I would never. It was a cigar. Oh my god! Okay, here's the last piece of our cultural grab bag: is that Merriam-Webster announced a bunch of words that are going into the dictionary in 2021. Um, and I'm just gonna ca- I'm just gonna get your thoughts on a couple of them. Uh, one of these words is uh, Pete. We'll start with you because one of the words is "Am I right?" Am like. A M I R I T E, and yep. it's some. It's yep. a phrase I have used for years. I love it. I think it's. It makes me, you know, it makes me feel good every time I use it. Uh, it a comedian's expression. What do you think? I love Am I right? I don't really use it. I use it in language, but I don't ever type it. I might start typing it, but I am very much for whataboutism. That's mm. one of the words uh, this year too. In, oh in, in this yeah, year's list. yeah. I like whataboutism. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a thing that's used. I mean, what about Buddhism was probably around forever. It's just it didn't have a yeah. term. No, actually, uh, Eve in the Garden of Eden used it <laughs> against Adam. And I can't finish that joke. Please, somebody help me. Um. OK, so another uh, another one of these, Josh, is um air fryer uh have you fe- have you felt just like an an absolute increase in people mentioning air fryer a thousand percent it's like yes. there's an entire air fryer tiktok it's it's and it's great they, um, but i feel like i'm one of the these people i really want to know what the criteria is that they use in order to let these words in because some of these words um I look at this list and I get exhausted because it's like a Venn diagram of ideas I never want to hear again. 
and things that are kind of old like there's on this list there's like tbh and ftw which feel like very old ideas like 2005 right right like they feel very mixed in with things like air fryer or like long covid and i'm like (laughs) how are these on the same list it's Long so COVID. weird. I, exactly. What is it about today that right. they decided that it's time for TBH to go in? But also, part some of these words, I hate hearing them. Like, I actually, I don't like, I don't love TBH and those things right. feel so internet-y and, and just like hack. Like, I don't, like... And it's also meaningless, like, to be honest, like, are you all never honest? And then right now you're honest. It's like, <laughs> it just feels like an un, and like a totally needless, you know what I mean? So some honest, of these. To be honest, there is one here that triggers me in, in this year's list. Yes, let's hear it. It is dad bod. Oh. <laughs> Did you feel I personally te- attacked by it? Oh, well, let me use it in a sense. I have teenage daughters, and so I'm super proud of the fact that I do not, at age now 46, have a dad bod. Oh, no. I still got it. <laughs> Pete, you look great. Pete looks great, Thank everybody. You. Thank um, you. All right, folks, let me know. Uh, check out this Merriam-Webster dictionary list uh, and let, let me know what words are really getting you. Folks, that is the end of the show. Thank you so much for joining me. You guys are so fun. This was awesome. And what I would love is for the people of Faith the Nation to be able to follow you and all the wonderful things you do. Josh, where do they do that? You can follow me at Regarding Josh on all social media. And you can follow Back Issue on Instagram at Back Issue Podcast. Yeah, guys, definitely subscribe to Back Issue. Um, I was just, I don't know, leafing through some things and noticed they got a really great write-up in the New York Times. Um, so, uh, and I immediately started listening and just had such a great time. So definitely, um, you know, follow Josh and subscribe to the show. Pete Dominic, where do people find you? Well, Nagin, that's me on social media, Pete Dominic. But I host a daily podcast that welcomes two expert guests every day. And I do like a full news recap that I try to make funny sometimes. And so it's every day. It's stand up with Pete Dominic. I do it from my solar powered shed. And I would love for people <laughs> to give it a shot. Oh, my gosh. And I've had the just extreme luck over these many years of doing a lot of uh, shows with Pete. And he's just he's brilliant and funny it's a really remarkable combination so absolutely subscribe to that show oh i should sell uh arab american comedy fest this week too oh yeah there you go arab american comedy festival um uh support support and folks, you know where to find me. I just hosted, uh, guest hosted Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me in for Peter Sagal last week. So if you haven't listened to that show, check it out. It was super fun. Um, I have a new piece out in the Progressive Magazine, my column hemming and hawing. And this week it's about home ownership, And it is a fun one, maybe, or a thoughtful one. I don't know. You're, you decide. I'm not going to tell you. And uh, um, you can catch me in the Adult Swim Fest, November 12th and 13th. And we're also even going to be, I mean, I'm going to be doing stand-up at the Adult Swim Fest. Um, it's a digital festival, so everyone can go. And, um... Um, I'm also going to be doing um, like a, a viewing of Bird Girl. So check that out. If you haven't seen Bird Girl, it'll be fun to do it with uh, members of the cast. Um, and folks, what I would really like to do is thank all of the wonderful people that make this show a possibility. That uh, is our um, just brilliant uh, producer, Danielle Jones-Wesley, our fantastic sound engineer, Stephanie Aguilar. 
HeadGum is full of wonderful people that make this show a reality. Our theme music was written by Gabby Alter. And as always, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because it really helps people find the show. You can email us at fakethenation at headgum.com. Join the Patreon at patreon.com for, uh, sorry, patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad for bonus content and so much more. And uh, we will be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.